0: Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast with Audrey the Hickman Hunter. I am Audrey and I am your host, and I am so, so happy that you're here. If you like what you are listening to today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Every other Tuesday, we have an awesome guest come on and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Subscribe today to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey the Hickman Hunter on your podcast player, so you guys will never miss out on an episode. Hey friends, happy Tuesday. How was the first half of December going? What have you been up to in this first half of the Christmas season? For myself, this has looked like a lot of Christmas shopping, and this year I have spent more time researching and trying to shop small businesses. My husband and I have also gotten to do some ice skating, And we've also been continuing our tradition of doing an advent, a daily advent calendar with a small piece of chocolate and a Bible verse highlighting the Christmas story each day. I wanted to give a big, big thank you to Steve from at Country Bear Comp for collaborating with us in our last giveaway on our Instagram page. Check out his Instagram for quality leather goods over on Country at Country Bear Comp. Thank you so much, Steve. Wow, friends, I have to share with you about this last book club read. It was Me and White Supremacy, Combat Racism, Change the World and Become a Good Ancestor by Layla F. Saad. Layla writes to us in a clear and direct manner. As I was reading this book, I personally love how she formatted the book and how she introduced herself to us. Then throughout the book, she weaves in her expertise and experience. One of my biggest takeaways has been being able to put a name or term to a specific way of thinking and acts. I think that I can see how many actions and thoughts can fall under the cone of white supremacy but this book has given me deeper language and terms to be able to think and communicate in a deeper manner than I did before. I highly recommend this book, as it is broken down into 28 day increments, segments of four to six page chapters with reflection questions for each chapter. Our January selection will be Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man by Emmanuel Acho. If you're interested in joining the conversation, our next book club will be meeting on Tuesday, January 19th at 7.30 PM Chicago time via Zoom. DM us on our social medias at No Wrong Turns Pod, or you can email us at NoWrongturnspod at gmail.com for more details. Listeners, welcome to our 29th episode. Today on the podcast, we have Ben Finelli. Ben grew up in Canada chasing down the dream of joining the NHL. He sustained a very serious life-threatening brain injury that shifted his life dreams and pursuits. He shifted his focus from hockey to his new passion of creating heroic minds. Through this platform, Ben has created a podcast, apparel brand, and he speaks and teaches to audiences ranging from college students to sports teams to Fortune 500 companies. Ben's message centers on helping people to see their dreams and goals, and then breaking down the barriers that are created to get there. You are for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing Ben's story as he highlights his passions of heroic minds, his company, and his study of behavioral health and performance. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to him or not, I believe that there is something in this story for you. All right. Here is my conversation with Ben. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Today on the podcast we have Ben Finale. Hey Ben.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Good. How are you doing?
1: I weather's good here. I mean, we are just getting out of. I wouldn't actually not just getting out of. We are in the process of moving to stage two here in Canada, specifically. I like actually not even Canada, specifically Ontario, of getting uh, toward back to somewhat what things were like. So weather's great. We're moving in the right direction. Numbers are uh, today. I think yesterday they were down today. They're back up a little bit, but we're still, I think, going in the right direction. So life is good. I can't complain.
0: That's awesome. Ben, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Just kind of who you are. You mentioned you're from Canada and you're in Canada. And just so the listeners can get to know you a little bit about who you are.
1: For sure. For sure. So I guess my background is I grew up chasing the National Hockey League. So chasing hockey, I wanted to be a professional hockey player, uh, which I know is a big thing in Chicago (laughs) as well. I know there's a lot of other sports that that may drown out the little hockey world. But yeah, very much wanted to play professional sports as a living, and for a living, sorry. I was actually not too far away at a young age of 16 years old. That's where I thought I was going to go. That's where the people around me in my life were telling me I had a good chance of going And then when I was 16, I ended up, unfortunately, sustaining a serious head injury. I had two subdural hematomas and an epidural hematoma, which means two bleeds inside my brain and one bleed on the surface. And that was due to a hockey injury. Very unfortunate. Long story short, which I'm sure we'll we'll dive into, Mm -hmm. I took two years away from the game, was able to get back to playing for three more incredible years And then finally, once I had a bit of opportunity to step into the American Hockey League, not quite the NHL, was going to have to work my way up if I was ever going to make it, I decided it was time to move on. (laughs) When I moved on, it was uh, opening up a new can of worms. I think I'm still moving on as we speak today. You do something for so long. Uh, You had to find, I had to figure out, okay, what do I love? I had to figure Mm -hmm. out what am I good at? What makes me happy? What excites me other than hockey? Because for so much of my life, I didn't let anything else in. So I knew there was only one thing I wanted at that point, And that was to have a career one day where I can put food on my table, but also give back to people. Mm. So, and the reason for that is, you know, I'm not this amazing selfless altruistic person. I'm just, uh, that's why I'm here today. I was supported by the community I played hockey in uh, by the fans that were here in, in this local community. But then also I still have a moving box at home, full of cards from around North America, because unfortunately my injury was, was all over TV of people sending their positive wishes and notes of optimism. In this community here, there wasn't a place I would go without someone tapping me on the shoulder and saying, Hey, I I wish you the best. I don't know if you are ever going to play again, but I want you to make a full recovery. And so when people talk about head injury, concussion, they usually talk about the dark room and going to this Mm -hmm. dark place. And I, I didn't, I never experienced that. I really didn't. I had too much support around me to, to allow myself to get there. So that is the reason I want, I have this goal now of of having a career, creating something that is able to give back in some way, because so many people gave back to me when I was a 16 year old and really a nobody. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where that comes from. And so since moving on from the game, Similar to you, I, I started a podcast, I wanted to sit down with people that have realized their life is an opportunity to be a hero for themselves, but then also for people around them, people in their life, people in their community and, and beyond. After getting to you know episode 50 or 60, I thought, okay, it's time to start taking these messages out, getting them to the psychology textbooks, get into the philosophy, find the correlations, the consistencies, and I believe I've been able to do that. And now I'm lucky enough to share that with companies, businesses, sports teams, you name it. And it's a really cool, exciting time where it's starting to, to really bloom into something bigger. And again, the most exciting thing to me is when, when money's not the main goal, but a, a passion is or a deeper, deeper goal than, than just the money, uh, it makes things really exciting. Of course, the you, know, you can't run a business in debt, but... If you're somewhat sustainable, but you're really executing on what your goal is and that deeper passion, meaning, purpose, whatever people want to call it, um, it just makes building a business so exciting. So that's where I'm at right now. Uh, I'm in the very midst exciting times of of building exactly that. And then just released about a month ago, a uh, apparel business that coincides with the Heroic Minds podcast, it's called Heroic Apparel. And so oh, it's, cool. you know, the, the quality of the Nikes and the Lululemons of the world, a little bit, I'd say a lot, a bit um, lower pricing, which which is nice. <laughs> and yeah. and a bit of a different message. So trying to get that out there and grow that as much as I can. And really, the I think there's a, b- a bunch of differences in, in Heroic, but I think the biggest thing that I like to talk about is the messaging, is that it's a lot of the brands out there are very self-serving. Uh, especially in the athletic sporting world is, is what can I do to get better? What can I do to be the best? What can I, and I'm taking a different turn, different look at it and saying, you know, our success is my success. So mm-hmm. when I, when we improve together, when we help each other out, ultimately we as us as individuals are stronger as well. So that's, that's the approach I'm taking. It's been an exciting road. Um, do I have a road map for where everything's going to go? I I should probably say on this podcast, yes, I've got this intricate map. I know exactly what I'm (laughs) going to do, but then I'd be lying. So that's in a nutshell who I am and where I'm at in life today.
0: Well, I mean, that's – that's fine, because my podcast, my whole like t- title and theme is No Wrong Turn, so there's uh, a lot of things life throws at us, and it takes us to different spots. So let's go back um, in time to start at the beginning of uh, your story. Can you just tell us a little bit about um, how you grew up, um, maybe like middle school and uh, elementary school years, uh, maybe about a little bit about your family life, so we can just get a small picture of what life was like for you then growing up?
1: For sure. I grew up with an absolutely unbelievable childhood. Even to this day, my brother and I will be hanging out and just chatting or sitting out in the back and just reminisce on how awesome of a childhood we had. And it was our selfless parents. We didn't have tons of money. We had looking back more than enough, but my Mm -hmm. parents were so selfless and sacrificed so much time to even be able to pay for me to play hockey. I had no idea how much my hockey cost. They gave up so much for me to play hockey. So an incredible childhood. My brother and I are best friends. We weren't though up to 16 when I moved away from home to play hockey, Mm -hmm. a bit of me moving away, a bit of me going through that scary accident brought us where he's my best friend. So, and my relationship with my parents is outstanding and just continues to grow stronger if I'm being honest. So th- that's my family relationship, family interaction, mm-hmm. uh, schooling. I did my well, high school, under elementary high school, uh, switched halfway in high school, switched high schools because I had moved to another town to play hockey at 16. And then I, when I, fi- while I was finishing up my career, my junior career, I was going to university, finished that, my undergrad in communications. And then now I started my master's in counseling psychology, which I'm absolutely loving. So
0: yeah. Oh, awesome. So can you kind of just zoom in for us? Because I know that we had mentioned kind of like a big event in your in your life that I think is significant in your story in high school when you were playing hockey. So can you tell us a little bit about that and just the impact and catalyst that that caused?
1: yeah for sure I mean there's so many different ways to unpack this thing I'll try and take it from a different view than I normally do but still get the story across so again 16 years old people are telling me I'm going to be a professional athlete one day I wake up in the hospital and being told sports out of the question schools out of the question and the injury itself but then also that I may be a different person than I was the first 16 years of my life so it was a lot to take in because I was also an individual that hockey was the only thing that really got me excited, that made me happy, that mm-hmm. I thought I was good at. So to hear that, I mean, initially, if I'm being honest, I was just happy to be alive. Hearing that kind of diagnose prognosis, I was, I was just happy to be alive. So once that, once I started to slowly, re, slowly recover in the very early stages, uh, that started to creep back in already. It's like, wow, I'm going to miss my identity. What am I going to do? I'm not going to have any friends. I'm not good at anything else, which was tough. And so that was the initial feeling out of the hospital. But then where I learned a little bit about what I, what I now know today in what, I mean, one of the things I talk about is just the story in our mind. It's a little bit of cognitive behavioral therapy, a little bit of dialectical behavioral therapy. What I didn't know that at the time when I was 16, but one of the biggest turning points in my recovery. So if I try and paint a picture for you, so here I am, 16 years old, hockey's everything I want. Doctors, sportscasters, everyone is saying it's too bad he's never going to play again. There's just Mm -hmm. no chance. And so I would be sitting up top in the press box. We were lucky in this community. I was lucky enough to play in front of 7,000 people every Friday night here. Oh, wow. I would be sitting up in the press box. My teammates who are my 23, 25 best friends are playing in front of me and I'm sitting in the press box with one other person or myself watching and having to watch, knowing in my mind, I'm not allowed to play.
0: Hey, listeners, some of you may already know this part of my story about why I started the podcast. So during my day job, I get to listen to podcasts all day long. The ones I really enjoy are ones that encompass somebody's story and their passions. Since I'm an avid podcast listener, I wanted to start sharing podcasts and specifically podcast episodes that I've enjoyed and that I think you will enjoy as well. This week, I want to share with you episode 333 from Jamie Ivey's podcast called The Happy Hour. In this episode, Jamie has a psychotherapist, Enneagram teacher, and the host of a popular podcast called Typology. Have you guys guessed who it is yet? It is Ian Morgan Cron, the author of the best selling book, The Road Back to You An Enneagram Journey to Self Discovery. I have heard several episodes and interviews with Ian Morgan Cron before, explaining the different aspects of the Enneagram. This episode is different because Ian highlights several ideas that surround his life's work. One idea that I enjoyed from this podcast was when he talked about the importance of taking a sacred pause when emotions are high. Using a sacred pause to evaluate what's going on within yourself before responding, whether that person be in person in front of you or online. I just like that idea of taking a breath and taking a pause when emotions get high. That was a great reminder. Ian also said this quote that you are the mountain, not the weather, meaning that when it comes to feelings, you are the mountain and your feelings are the wind and the weather. He highlighted the idea that you don't need to hold on to a long time to the feelings. He suggested that we keep it for when we do and let go of it when we need to. All right. I will link this episode in the show notes for you all.
1: So where things, when I reflect back, took a really pivotal turn was at that point, I, I'll re- I remember the night and I, the game finished and I went down into our locker room like I usually did to, to chip in, fill water bottles, be around the team, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I went into my coach's office and said, you know what? He's unbelievable, by the way, which I can, I can get into later. I went into the coach's office and said, you know what, spotter, um, I, I, it's getting tough for me to watch. Because I want it so bad and I know it's, uh, I don't like to say out of my control, but pretty close to completely out of my control of if I was going to play again. Mm -hmm. Mind you, I was doing everything I could to force my brain to heal. That's another part of the story. But at that point, I said, you know, it's getting tough for me to watch. Can I? can I not come to games on Fridays because it's, you know, it's difficult to watch in front. I'll still come on the road. I'll still do that, but just at home, the home games are tough. Can I, can I go do something else? I actually want to start swimming. I wasn't allowed to do much, right. But with in the pool, there's little contact. So Mm
0: -hmm. I just,
1: he said, yeah, for sure. You can do that. So Friday nights I started swimming and then I started biking and then I started running. And then I realized maybe I should try doing a triathlon. Checked with the doctors. You know what? If you can push yourself, I got the approval. And it also allowed me to prove to my mother that I was okay because she was yeah. scared, scared of everyone. I'm so sure. here I am now. That night was like, I could have made two options. I could throw in the towel and say, I can't handle this. This is too difficult. But you take a step back and you get creative, you get versatile, you get flexible you find the old classic saying is find a way and you decide what lens you're going to look through. Is this, is this a roadblock or is this an opportunity? All the kind of cliches, right. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying anything that no one's ever heard before, but what happened that night when I made that one very little simple decision, really? I mean, on the surface, it's simple inside. There was obviously a lot of chatter, mental chatter that I had to work through, but I, you know, what that did was the catalyst for something outstanding is that I ended up actually getting into triathlon training, which I think brought me into some of the best shape of my life that also got me into the cycling world, which mm-hmm. led me to be able to meet Lance Armstrong, my idol, the person that, one of wow. the most important people that inspired me through my whole two years off. It was his book that I took, I took pieces from and taped it on my wall. And, and then here I am a year later biking beside him. With our arm around each other, getting a photo from a pickup truck in front of us at a fundraiser. So it led me to that, that then got me even more motivated. I kept doing that kind of training and if you look at the research on cardio and and, um, aerobic training, what that does for plasticity and cognitive recovery, that night and that decision could have been the catalyst for what actually helped me heal fully allowed me to meet someone that just gave me an extra push. It gave me a new identity that it was more than just a hockey player. Now I had mm-hmm. other things I could do. It led me to a new group of people in the triathlon cycling world that were outside of the hockey world. It was just, it was so incredible what that did for me, but it was all, it was all stemmed from just deciding, okay, this isn't a roadblock. This is an opportunity. I just need to, you know, open a couple other doors or pick up a couple rocks and see what's underneath. And, so that's that's one of the I think most important parts of my story was just continuing to decide what lens I was going to look through. Are you mm-hmm. going to look through the lens that looks crummy and dark and try and convince yourself that it's not that bad? Well, you're going to have a lot of trouble because it is pretty bad. And we, we like to say that oh it's not that bad and you know just you know simply just change you know change your uh change your relationship with it and yeah, I'm sure that works for some, but for me, it was, I was not changing that relationship. I wasn't going to be able to change it that quick. That mm-hmm. hockey wasn't everything. It was, I just decided to take a different viewpoint. Okay. You know, it's not, it's out of the question right now, hockey, but if, if we were being crazy and and thinking magically, what could, you know, the slim chance that I could play again, what would that path look like? And that's the lens I decided to look through. Okay. This is a crazy idea. The odds are one in who knows more than less than a more than a million. Uh, let's try that route, though. You know, it'll keep me excited. it will keep me chasing something. And that's what I did. And ultimately, I think that was part of the reason I was able to get to where I am today.
0: Awesome. So that was a two year kind of recovery before or like interim before you went back to hockey at 18 years old, then?
1: That's exactly right.
0: So you were doing the recovery, and I'm not really a brain expert, injury expert, so you had, it was just uh, thing, things that needed to heal in your brain, or was there other injuries as well?
1: So I fractured my orbital bone, which is the bone, you know, basically around the eye, and mm-hmm. and then I had a massive scar on my, my right eye, which I don't know if, I think that was my visor that cracked and, and cut my, okay. uh, my face. But so basically the, I'm not a professional in neuroscience or <laughs> neuroanatomy either, but basically the, the bleeds in my brain, this is actually, a, a, there are a couple other crazy stories nestled in here, but I was lucky enough to have a brain surgeon that had enough experience that he gave it some time and some patience to see if the bleeds would subside. So let's put it this way. You know, someone comes into the hospital, there's a surgeon there, a young surgeon know, was feeling pretty good, wants to, wants to get in on the action and do something to help someone. And, you know, I came into the hospital that night and I had those bleeds in my brain, they saw them in the Mm -hmm. scans. And so what um, many people had said is, you know, if that was a younger doctor, instead of waiting to see if the body would absorb the bleeds again, you know, there's bleeding, there's bleeding, and then your body finds a way to kind of absorb it. And you don't have to have surgery, which I was lucky enough to avoid. But people mm-hmm. had said, you know, if that was a younger doctor that didn't have that patience that thought, you know, we need to go in right now. Well, you know, at 16 years old, and you have brain surgery that you don't know what can happen exactly. Right. So that yeah. would probably sent me on a completely different life. So, yeah, that's the, the extent of what I know on the on the neuroscience side of my injury. Now, when, I think I'm, I'm, another important point is when we talk about things is the people you have around you. So, again, not sure how much you know about the sporting world or the culture that exists, but I'm sure you've heard the uh, analogy that athletes are like, or the metaphor, sorry, that athletes are like racehorses. You know, one gets one gets hurt, they get rid of it, and they just bring in the next horse, no one even remembers who that horse was. That's, that's one mm-hmm. of the things they say about the sporting world, which I wouldn't say is consistent across the board. Is it a little more popular uh, than... The latter, which is, you know, people treating you like a human the entire way, even once you're when you're done your playing career, yeah. I did. It, being honest, we don't have maybe in the sporting world the best odds for that. But anyways, that's what people say about it. Well, I had the best experience ever in that situation. Mm-hmm. M- my head coach at the time, his names his name was Steve Spott. He's now the he- uh, assistant coach in Las Vegas in the NHL. Unbelievable guy. So here's someone that wanted to get to the NHL, was doing everything he could to get to the NHL. He would be the perfect individual to say, you know what, Fennell's got hurt. He's done. Let's bring in a new defenseman. When I first came back to the rink after my injury, I was in his office. All the coaches were, my agent was there, my parents were there. And he said, Fennell's, he said, you signed your contract for four years, potentially five. He said, you're going to be a part of this team as long as you want to be. He said, I don't, mm-hmm. we don't know. if I'm not, a, I'm not an expert. I don't know if you're ever going to play again. I hope you do. And if you do get the chance, you're going to have to make the team just like everyone else. He said, but, you know, we'll figure that out when we get to that point. Hmm. Um, but you're a part of this team. And they kept my stall in the room for the two years that I didn't play. Wow. Yeah, absolutely outstanding, the support. And they had no re- They didn't have to do that. Like I said, the, the, norm, the norm was, oh, they're hurt, you know, bring in the next person. But he decided not to. And that gave me, again, that's another factor in play there of, okay, how did this guy recover from what he went through? Well, again, there's another example. I was around my 23, 25 best buddies again, the best buddies and teammates, mm-hmm. uh, there to support me, and I was back in the middle of it, and um, I, I think that that was a big part of it as well. So, to, for him to do that, the other coaches as well to welcome me back like that was outstanding.
0: I think that's really great to leave that physical spot open, so you so you see that it's there, because they could have just taped somebody's, you know, name over that and moved on. But I think that definitely to see that consistency over the two years of that spot still being there, totally. like that physical opening for, for you to come back.
1: Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. But it's a good way to put it like to have, you know, my space still a part of it made gave me that value of of being a part of the team. And on a behavioral level, I mean, who knows what that can do for someone, but it, it gives you a sense of comfort, it gives you a little bit of a sense of control little bit of sense of of value right feeling valued you're this guy that's injured and completely forgotten about well wait a second you know I'm, I'm on all the road trips I'm still showing up to the rink every day there's that little bit of value and that can to, to feel like you don't have value I think is one of the things that can steer people the other direction you know into the dark room that we talked about is you know I can't do anything I get a headache when I study this that and the other thing and I think that was a reason I didn't go that way. Is there people around me were giving me that value and making me feel like I had a, a reason to, to be a part of things still? So, yeah, a lot of people to thank.
0: That's awesome. So after the two years, did you your doctor give you the all clear? Mom said, "Okay, fine, you can do it. <laughs> Wear oh, your helmet."
1: Jeez, my my mom's the most unbelievable person in the world. She. There, her it was her biggest nightmare came true that night. She hated hockey my whole life, and, and when I say hate, and people say you know that's a strong word, yeah, I mean it. Like she hated the game of hockey. She did not want me playing it from a young age. I started to get kind of decent at it and forced her hand a little bit, I guess that way. But then yeah, her biggest nightmare came true. She the last thing she wanted was for me to go back to play so far so that she offered to buy me a brand new. Mercedes at 16 years old. Yeah. My parents, if I didn't go back to play, obviously um, that was the deal. And I didn't take the deal. And then what I usually say when I share this story at corporate engagements and and speeches is that if you guys saw the car I drove in on today, you would all think I'm stupid for not taking the deal, (laughs) but yeah, she really didn't want me to go back to play. And I think. Going back to that triathlon example, you know, I was training two days, two times a day for two years to get back to playing. Started as walks around the block, juggling, slowly got into lifting again, and then into the triathlon training. So I'd wake up in the morning and run, you know, 5-10k, go to high school, leave, work out again at the end of the day, get my homework done, and it was, it was incredible, and still managed to fit in a social life. Like it was a, it was a lot, and I think that's what I don't even know if forcing her hand is the right thing because that sounds condescending because that's not it at all. Trust me, she still has, she's still in charge of me that's for damn sure. But I think made it a little bit of wiggle room for me to be able to play. And Mm -hmm. uh, I did know though, at the end of those three years, you know, it was, it was, it turns into a job after that. Like it kind of already was at that level. You're on the ice every day. You're playing three games a weekend, 68 game season. It's a lot. Um, But I knew if I was going to make that jump to the American Hockey League, it's a professional league, and it was time for me to move on to other things. So, yeah, my mom uh, probably still wished I didn't go back to play, but my family's good and healthy now, and I'm good and healthy. So, very lucky to be where I am, that's for sure.
0: So, you went back to try back out for your team um, to get your spot back?
1: Yeah, Uh, for the Kitchener Rangers, Yep.
0: And then what was the, because I know that you mentioned at the beginning, it wasn't like a lifelong hockey career situation turning in for you. Something changed. So can you kind of walk us through um, what happened from being on, you know, your number one goal before you were 16 to uh, to be on that progression um, to what changed? Can you walk us through that, please?
1: Yeah, that's that's a complex one. Um, you know, it really, I think I was working through it because of my – the one thing I had going for me was that I was willing – I can't sit still, and I was willing to try a bunch of different things. And I think that's really all it takes, and I, that's totally devaluing the whole identity process of going from sport to other things, and I know I'm simplifying it big time. But mm-hmm. it was really my – how fidgety I was, and that I couldn't sit still, and that I, I was in school – You know you go from a life of like three high school courses practice every day on the road three days a week for for games you're and trying and barely a social life when you when you get to that point other than the group you're with Mm -hmm. Uh, so it becomes a lot and you get out of that and you think holy smokes i have so much free time and and i couldn't sit still so again, in a really simple way, that process for me was, I couldn't sit still. So I was going to go out and do things. And it was I started bartending. It's like, I can't bartend. I was supposed to be a professional hockey player. I start bartending. Mm-hmm. I meet great people. I have tons of fun. I meet great customers and what a hit to the ego, which is terrible for me to say because all jobs are inc- absolutely incredible and play such a val- valuable role in society but here I am again that unhealthy of a mindset where like I can't do that I have to play hockey that's the only thing I can do so anyway that job was awesome I'm bartending I'm going to university I'm walk I'm actually this time because when I played hockey and went to school I would just go to class at university and leave mm-hmm. now I'm going to uni- now that I'm done playing I'm going to university I'm on campus I'm meeting kids I'm working out on the campus in the campus gym and I'm thinking What a life. This is awesome. (laughs) I don't have to worry about performing as as a hockey player. And, you know, I can meet tons of different people that have no idea anything about hockey and learn about different things. So that was that was a big thing. That was a big part of it was that, that I couldn't sit still and I was kind of forced to try other things. And that opened my mind, but more importantly, it opened these feelings that, holy, you know, I can get gratification from these other things and other things can make me happy and I can be valuable in other ways other than hockey. So that was huge. Another big turning point for me was a, an individual in town that's a hockey coach and he had one of the most incredible lines and I use it every time I go into a hockey locker room and tell my story. It's that, you know, hockey, he says, because we, so many, we know in the hockey world, so many people go through exactly what I'm talking about. This is like one of the most popular things, unfortunately, because here in, well, you're part of North America too, well, mm-hmm. it's, oh, even more, even more so Southern Ontario, hockey is such a massive thing that you, you have tunnel vision on it and you push everything else aside. Like you push away social, your social group, school just to focus on it. And it's it's not healthy, uh, not, by no means. But we think that's what's gonna get us there, right? And and oh, just obsess with it and do everything, play all year round. And it's like we know that's not true, but we continue to do it anyway. So that's a that's a podcast, that's podcast number two that we can unpack later. So, anyways, that's that's the situation I was in. And I was I was talking with this hockey coach. He played a little bit of professional and then was expected to fight towards the end of his career, and he's like, you know what? I'm I'm dragging myself to the rink now. I'm not excited to go there. It's time for me to yeah. move on. And he put it in a way that was perfect. He said, "Hockey is a tool that you use." And I and this can relate to anything. Any passion job, any job really is like you're using that job to what? To make money to pay for whatever, to support the family. And obviously we can get into, you know, needing more than we actually you know have to have to survive and to be happy, but Anyways, he said, you know, hockey is a tool that you use to get something out of it. But as soon as hockey starts to use you, that's when you have to check your ego and realize, is this Mm. what I want to do? Is do I want hockey to have this kind of control over me? And the I said, I put that part in there about the ego because that's so important when it comes to athletes. We're, we're these, I mean, we're just dominated by our ego. We're acting in ways because of our ego is so strong. Like oh, I can't wear <laughs> that. I can't do that. That's not cool. I have to be the strongest, the toughest, the best player. Right. And so why it's so powerful and was so powerful for me as I had it, I still working through it, but there's this ego. When you hear that you're not in control, you think, uh Oh, Wait a second, hockey's in control of me. And I, I heard this after I'd already moved on from playing, but I was still in the midst of working through it. Right. And that and that gave me so much power, just knowing that, thinking, wait a second, hockey has that much power over me still, even though I've been done playing for you know half a year at this point. Mm-hmm. And so it was just this instant power that I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna let this happen anymore. Geez, I'm gonna go try even more things now. Right. I've done the triathlon, I've done the entrepreneurial stuff, I've done the bartending and now I'm in school and I'm doing all these other things and it made me want to do it even more because I didn't want hockey to have that kind of power over me and it was it was great so I I that's what those are the kind of experiences that helped me transition out of that identity into other things in life.
0: This week in our sponsor spot it's me again Audrey in the Knowing Turns pod. We've been working on getting our guest roster ready for you guys for year two of the podcast that we're already in. We have several interviews already on the books and some already done that we're excited to share with you, but we are still in the process of reaching out to possible new guests and still would like your help. Who do you want to have on the podcast or do you have a story or passion that you would like to share with us? If this invitation is grabbing you and you want to hear more about what it could be like to have you featured as a guest on the podcast, sharing your story and your passions, reach out to us on either your social medias, reach out to us at No Wrong Turns Pod, or you can email us at gmail.com. Reaching out just means that you want to hear more. No obligation to share your story if it ends up not being your thing. Thanks again for cheering us on in year two of the No Wrong Turns podcast. All right, back to Ben's story. So, one thing I was just thinking about when you when you were talking was so you went to university and what were you besides getting to try different things and actually enjoy like the college experience without with actually being able to be present, what was your major, what were you majoring in and did you have an idea of what you wanted to use that major for after college, or were you kind of just going there to, to find what was going to be next? Cause all of this transition.
1: Yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was, because I took certain credits when I was playing just to that fit into my schedule, mm-hmm. not knowing what they would lead towards. And when I did finally start going full time, which again, this is not the right thing to do. I just, okay. What am I closest to finishing? Oh, okay. Because, <laughs> yeah. Up until, so I'm 27 now up until I was 25 24 and really just started the podcast. I mean, I wasn't. I always thought school, you know, you can just you can get by on your connections and and networking, et cetera. Which I I'm sure a lot of people would argue, and I'm not here to argue that. That was just my approach, and I thought Mm -hmm. I don't need school. I'm just gonna. All I need to do is get through it. Everyone says all you need is your diploma. Mm. So I kind of had that approach, and. Again, I, I'm closest to getting a communications degree. Why don't I just stay on that path and I'll get out of here as soon as possible? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. And then I graduated and I don't even know where my diploma is. It might even be, it might be in the drawer beside me here. might be at my parents' house. I'm not sure, but it's like not much pride in that. And that's that's kind of sad. I mean, I'm sure there's other people that do it too. They just get it and then they go do incredible things in, with their life and, and so be it. So I w- that was my experience. I'm like, yeah, school was meh. It is what it is. I'll try and network and I have my degree. That's supposed to help me. Right. That's what society says. And, and then I, the next kind of turning point in, in the process of moving on from playing, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life was one of my best buddies. Well, now my best buddy, we ran into each other at the gym three, four years ago and We, we went to high school together, but we were just in, I was barely ever there, right? As you could already tell from my story
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, and had my, you know, blinders on and just went to school, left, you know, had my close group of friends, but didn't really expand too much more, which is awful. But so we weren't that close in high school. And so we ran into each other at the gym at Laurier, you know, I'm meeting as many people as I can, walking around (laughs) campus, making up for lost time. And I ran into him. And so we chat in the middle of the workout. I stop and it's like, Ian, how's it going? Like, it's great to great to see you. And uh, and little did I know what how intellectually just uh, advanced, I guess you could say, this guy is, but also just an amazing human. So he did his undergrad in philosophy. And so one day, you know, we catch up, go for a coffee, and we start talking philosophy, a, a conversation I've never had. I, as a hockey player, you know, you don't talk about those things. It's not, uh, put in quotation marks, it's not cool to, right? It's Yeah. So we have this conversation. I'm just blown away, fascinated. Then we start talking psychology. And and at that point, I had a little bit of value to add to the conversation, just of things I learned in sport. And mm-hmm. and he, for the, he was, it was the first time in my life that I believed I could be in a conversation like that. Like, you just think, well, I'm not, I'm not a smart person. I'm just some jock, hockey player athlete. Like I can't, and he, and, but he would like ask me questions and I'm like, wait a second, this is so backwards. <laughs> like you're the one with the degree already. I'm just getting my degree. He was doing his, his. Uh, MBAs, masters. And here you are asking me questions. And it was just, it was the, it was the massive turning point in my life. Cause I realized, wait a second, I can have these conversations. I can get educated on these things and I can dive into them further, just like people that have degrees in these topics. And so am I, <laughs> I and that's where it ends though. Am I saying I'm, you know, a doctor of this stuff by no means, but mm-hmm. it was that first sniff, I guess you could say, of wait a second, I can be a part of these intellectual conversations and now I've been obsessed with it ever since and I'm reading about psychology and uh, ironically neuroscience and philosophy and ancient wisdom every day now again trying to make up for lost time but also so I can share it obviously with what I'm doing so uh, another big pivotal point was that that conversation with Ian and, and we chat all the time now he's one of my best friends.
0: That's awesome. So that kind of opened a opened a door for you of just a field of study, a field of conversation and thought that was not really something you thought was that you could or would want to engage in.
1: Totally, totally. You're you're bang on.
0: So after you graduated from college, what were your next steps? Did you you? I know that you have like some entrepreneurial you know endeavors, but how did you get from the end of college to to kind of what were your next steps after that
1: so like i said initially I, I knew the one thing i wanted to do which was basically have a somewhat of a not a nonprofit, just a business that functions in a way again that you know if there's a point where we're where we're making lots of money it's like okay we'll take what we need and we're investing the back the rest back into humanity and giving back mm-hmm. uh, that's that's the goal. And so knowing that, as I tried a couple of things out of the gates, I tried, I started a uh, wanted to start a cleaning business that employed individuals that couldn't find jobs, whether it was due to past experiences or issues with the law, et cetera. But trying to give them jobs,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that didn't that the model for that wasn't quite working. I wanted to start a coffee shop, similar every, with every cup. Uh, Few cents donation goes to a local charity organization, and over the month it adds up, kind of thing. The model for that didn't quite work either. <laughs> and then, and then one day my buddy said, "Oh, and then I did a, sorry, then I did a fitness program that actually did quite well. It was just a lot of effort and energy uh, mm-hmm. at a time where I was super busy and had a job and was also going to school, uh, so it was it was a lot. But it was working. It was awesome. I met some amazing people that I still keep in touch with today through that." So then I stopped that. And then that friend that I told you I met, Ian, mm-hmm. he said, you know what, if you're so fascinated by this stuff, and I was already speaking in schools across Ontario here, telling my story and, and doing some motivational speeches. He said, you love speaking. You really love working through problems with people. He said, why don't you try and pair those two things together? Mm-hmm. And I remember I knew what we, I say we, because I make it sound like we're working together, which he provides me we pretty much are. He provides me so much guidance. He's unbelievable. Uh, but we we were sitting in a coffee shop trying to figure out what the heck are we going to call it because we knew what we wanted to talk about. I like I said to you I the, it's a, it's called the heroic minds podcast. I knew I didn't know that that that's what it was going to be called, but I knew I wanted to sit down with people that realize their life is an opportunity to be a hero. Mm-hmm. So, okay, how the heck do you put that into a title that fits everything in <laughs> And I'll never forget we were sitting at Settlement Coffee Shop that's a kilometer up the road from me right now and just stirring over it. And they say that's not how you think of it, right? You got to go to have a shower or cup the lawn or do yeah. something aimless. You can get in that flow state and it'll just pop into your head, right? So we did the opposite and just we're forcing it, just forcing things, writing words down on pages for weeks and weeks at a time. And then we're sitting in this coffee shop one day and it just popped into my head. And we did a quick search online and it's like, boom, that's what it's going to be. Little did I know it was, cause that w- it was just like going to be a little hobby. Little mm-hmm. did I know it would turn into what it is today where I'm speaking with teams. I just did my first talk with an NCAA soccer team uh, at the start of this pandemic online, which is oh, wow. super cool. I um, was lucky enough to speak at Google this past year, like cause they have a spot nearby and with certain banks in, in Ontario or in the country, just the, the opportunities are are incredible. So what I did was I just kept pushing the envelope. Let's see how many people I can get on, dive into their stories, no different than we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And and then again go to the textbooks and find the the consistencies and package something up and deliver it to people to do exactly what I wanted to do, which was empower people like they did me when I was going through my injury. So yeah, that's that's how that all happened.
0: <laughs> so this is your company for speaking and what other or how would you describe it <laughs>
1: yeah so it's no it's a, i would i don't like using the word consulting business because it has a very not archaic but very old school kind of single sided i go into businesses dry. and i you know show some yeah dry and show some powerpoints and here's how we're going to make more money and and mm-hmm. it's really, I, I mean, I call myself, I don't even really call myself the owner or anything. I just call it creative director. Cause all I'm doing is trying to create, I'm learn I'm reading what geniuses in the world have already published. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm learning from doctors presently today that are just incredible and reading their papers and just compiling their information and drawing similarities. So I'm, I'm just kind of getting creative in how I'm delivering it. That's really all I'm doing. I'm not revolutionizing the wheel. If anything, I'm going so far back that people have forgot this stuff exists is really what I think I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I have the podcast, the Heroic podcast. I'll do consulting. Again, I don't like that word. I basically I say <laughs> go into businesses, and I do team builders. That's what it mm-hmm. is because that's really what it is. They're interactive. People are standing up. They're sitting down. They're doing planks we have
0: oh, wow. tons of
1: fun yeah we have tons of fun it has nothing to do with fitness even though that just sounded like i'm running a zumba <laughs> class they're not yeah. at all but they're just they're just funny things I, I do to get points across and so i do those team builders uh, at different with different corporate groups and then down what i'm expanding into is the uh, the apparel side mm-hmm. and trying to bring that in not too close to to her own minds but just close enough that uh, similar messaging You know, every day, every challenge, whether you're in a corporate setting or in an athletic setting, you know, if we have a team in business or in sport, a team full of people where their approach to challenge is that, okay, our success is going to be my success. Our success is going to be more important than my individual success. And I'm going to act that way and live that way. How can you ever lose, even if on the scoreboard you lose? Like, I don't understand. Like, it's just such a courageous brave, honorable way to lead a life and live. And if we look at the consistency is so bizarre and I, this is something I want to dive into uh, on a psychological level, behavioral level is like, if we look, if we take people that have been through trauma, or adversity, or challenge, whatever buzzword you want to use.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we look at what they're doing after. Why is it that everyone that goes through that wants to give back to people and all of a sudden has less has this less fabricated value for certain things for, for material pieces, for the amount Mm -hmm. of followers they have for all these things that we've created on our own. Like these aren't natural things. So why, right? Like,
0: That makes a lot of sense because when you said that, I was just thinking back to anybody, you know, who goes through like a big trauma or like a life threatening something. They're just, in my experience, they're more excited about just being alive that they have like this day to live. And what can they, what can they do to, to make, to make the best of what they, what they have. in like the most positive sense of the way.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, And I don't know this is right. This is a very much a hypothesis. Uh, Is it that, you know, there's a lot of self-help books. There's a lot of people out there trying to help individuals, especially today with, with, I would say, I don't like the word mental health because I think it's super ambiguous, but we'll say adverse behavioral adversities, behavioral uh, maladaptations. A lot of people need help with that. A lot of people are trying to help with that. And there's a lot of books and guidance on it that are trying to get people to this, to this state of mind, right? We're trying to get people to care less about what they have. We're trying to get people to care less about uh, material things. We're trying to get people to stress less about how much, how much money they have, or, or even just stress less in general. Let's work on rolling with the flow a little more
0: Mm
1: -hmm. yet. There's a lot of people that have been through life changing events that don't have to read all that stuff. Yeah. Yet, yet They get there. So I find that bizarre that those there's people that have been through different types of trauma they haven't read even one of the self-help books that exist or listened to any of the talks of people that tell you how to love people more and how to stress less and how to sleep better yet these people do it so it's it's that to me is super interesting is is do we need more and I don't I don't preach this but it it begs the question you know do we need does that mean we need more room for a challenge and and open up ourselves to uh, more instances of adversity and challenge will that help get us to that end goal that we kind of all want now which is i don't want to care as much about money and you know, i don't want to care as much about my job and i want to live more you know, a little more composed and and not have this stress or anxiety well is the answer Opening yourself up to more challenge and risk. And and I, I don't know. I don't know what that the answer is. That's just kind of a maybe a question for your listeners and they can shoot you an email and, and let, yeah. let us know what they think.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I've never really thought like too much about that, but that's so true whenever you are met with a challenge like that. I think most of the time people well, actually, I think sometimes people can come out the opposite way and just be super negative and kind of like what you were talking about, like when mm-hmm. you first had your injury, like you had two choices. You could either just kind of not do anything and or you could choose to keep moving forward one step at a time.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's, I, I forget the term for it now, but there's actually statistics to show that and there's a lot of uh, evidence in regards to childhood trauma and childhood experiences leading to issues for later on in life. And there's a, there's this idea that, and I, I forget what the stats are. This is terrible because I should be able to quote it. <laughs> Anyways, there is consistency to show that that holding true. If a child goes through severe childhood trauma, the majority will, there's kind of like no middle space It's like the majority will have troubles in the future Mm -hmm. who knows to what degree everything's relative but then there's like one percent that will become absolutely incredible Hmm. wow which is which is bizarre right so is it is it what you just said is it how you just what lens you you, that young individual ends up looking through are they even aware enough at a young age to make that decision does it happen Mm -hmm. by chance that's the the mysteries and and fascinations of of the human mind i think i think But yeah, so I I thought that was pretty cool. I just learned that in my class the other day. So again, I should have have (laughs) the resource cited and and remembered, but I apologize. I don't.
0: That's okay. I'll give you a pass.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
0: So I kind of have a couple of questions that our listeners might have. Usually after we hear about just kind of your passion of just this kind of heroic mindset, I, if somebody's hearing about this and they're kind of, this idea is kind of resonating with them and they're like, this is kind of interesting. Like, I would be interested in learning a little bit more about this or kind of diving into this topic a little bit more. What's some advice or maybe resource or something that you can suggest to look into further about this?
1: For sure. I think anything on. Taoism is is one of the things you could look into. Alan Watts, his videos on YouTube are super powerful on on getting basically getting out of your own way. We do so much to overcomplicate things and think we're finding shortcuts in the and you know the life hacks. And Mm -hmm. it's just like we're just getting in our own way, making things more difficult. You know, you instead of just being told, hey, let's dial it in, find a way to eat a little healthier. People will say, well, here's 52 different diets you can choose from. You know, we, the first one doesn't work. We go to the second one, the third one, the fourth one. And it's just kind of like, why don't we, why don't we sit down peel back the layers and figure out what we need to do? Cause we have all the tools we need inside us. They're everywhere around us. And so that's one example. Another example, you know, is the, is sleep. I, I like that example is that we have how many, you know, m- almost uh, maybe not a billion, but million dollar apps out there for sleeping for pre-sleep meditation, stuff like that, which, again, is great. I think it is a great tool. Don't get me wrong. I don't want this to be skewed with what I'm saying. But what if if a lot of the reasons for the sleep issues are because of behavioral maladaptations or issues or ways we're choosing to live or things we're deciding to chase uh, that are causing the problem? So you have a problem on the left side, which is actually how you're approaching your job or a conversation you're avoiding. And then you have your sleep problem and so instead of dealing with the problem on the left that is those that i just listed right the relation mm-hmm. the conversation you haven't had etc all those issues the way you're working instead of dealing with that which would fix the sleep issue sustainably we don't do that we go and download the sleep app that'll help us sleep for two nights and then it stops working because mm-hmm. the stress from those issues we have on the left side so it's kind of like. We're in, a, we're in a time where we just we decide to use convoluted, fabricated fixes for real human issues that we could actually deal with. And, and you know what? The tools are inside us to deal with them, but we, we elect not to for whatever reason because there's a sexier marketed version that we could use instead. So, um, again, it, it, yeah, so, so those are the couple of things. To, uh, Alan Watts is amazing for that, an old uh, psychologist. Uh, all of his lectures are online. And they even have some music in the background, which is nice. So sometimes I even lay down and, and meditate to those because they're, they're pretty cool. Uh, and then Taoism is just basically, I'll put it in very simple terms, just the idea of, uh, of doing less. Stop working so hard, thinking that hard work, and I put that in quotations because hard work has become, you know, work harder than the next person and just work hard. Well, you know, working hard at jamming a square peg through a round hole isn't going to do much. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you, t- you take a step back, you grab some sandpaper, sand down the edges, you slide it through, well, you just save yourself seven hours. And that's a very mm-hmm. physical, very clear example, but it relates to a lot of other things we do in work. I mean, I, I'm trying to give these very tangible examples as opposed to the psychological examples, but board meetings with in certain jobs, right? It, I find it so peculiar. Like, I'm sure board meetings existed back in the day because... You couldn't connect with everyone. Not everyone had a had a phone with every piece of technology in their hand, Mm -hmm. right? You can do you can watch videos, you can talk on the phone, you can watch, you can do whatever you want now, just in the palm of your hand. Well, I'm sure board meetings began because we couldn't do that, but now we have these three board meetings a day. Everyone gets you know cram into this room like a bunch of sardines. You know Mm -hmm. most of the people in that room. This meeting isn't that important for, yet they're in there anyways, taking time away from what they could be doing. But that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we've been told. Let's keep working hard. More sweat, more hours work. That's going to lead us to success is what we're told. Yet we know that that's not true. like Statistically, sorry, we know that's not true. But working – now, the kicker is when you work hard, having the ability – and when I say work hard, I mean the ability to sustain high amounts of effort if it's with purpose – that's the key, like, is what you're doing with purpose. So I go back to the board meeting example. Okay, is it, it, what is the purpose of that? What is the purpose of having 50 people in that room if only seven of them need to be there? Mm-hmm. Well, we need to take a step back and, and rejig that. Okay, so what is, you know, let's, what happens if only those seven people are there that need to, that need to be there? Now the rest of the room can be out working on another task that, that they need to get done to free up time later, or they use that to go get groceries or they, that, then, that is then going to free up time for their time with family. And it's now that has purpose, a very much has purpose. You're now the seven people that need to be there are there. The rest of the team is out doing things that they need to do so that they have more time to rest, refuel recover and ultimately perform. So again, those are very tangible examples. The more of what I, I usually talk about is more psychological and, and how we can get out of our own way
0: Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, listeners, thank you so much for joining us each week and this week as we have on some amazing guests as they come and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. I am so honored that you would choose to download these conversations every other week and invite me into your earbuds, your headphones, your car, your Google Home, your Alexa, wherever you listen. Thank you so much, friend, and I am so grateful for you. I would like to ask if you could do me a favor. If you have not already subscribed to the podcast, would you do that in whichever podcast player or app that you're listening to us today? If you're already subscribed, thank you so much, friend. I truly appreciate it. It makes a huge difference. I would love if you could share the show with a friend. I find out about so many different shows through recommendations from friends. Maybe some of you have found out about this show through a friend sharing it with you. Lastly, would you please leave a rating and review over on whichever podcast player or app you're listening to on? Thank you so much. This really helps us. I know these things may seem small, subscribing, sharing the show, leaving a rating and review, but they make a huge difference in new listeners finding the No Wrong Turns pod. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here, for listening, and for cheering us on. Thank you for subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the show. So I have one more question for you, and this is something that I ask all the podcast guests that come on, and that is what is fueling you? So this could be anything from a new coffee drink to a new, I don't know, TV show that you found during these corona times or a new hobby that you found during the corona times. So what's fueling you? What's fueling your passion?
1: Um, So what's fueling my passion right now is definitely – this new, like getting into yoga. So not to go back to where we started with the hockey stuff, but mm-hmm. I, and I would just train as hard as I could. Again, going back to this issue is just doing things hard without purpose or a plan. I, I didn't really take care of my hips and hips are, you know, skating is not a natural human movement. So a lot of hockey players have issues with their hips and, and I don't necessarily like I don't have issues other than they're super tight because I never did any type of mobility or or specific strengthening for them. I just Mm -hmm. kept putting miles on them and thought, I'll figure this out later in life and well, I'm I'm figuring it out now. So I got into yoga and it's been such a hit to the ego because I realized how much I work against myself because I'm certain parts of me aren't mobile enough, but it's, I've seen huge strides already. But the sad thing is, is I have so far to go. So yoga has been awesome. Yesterday I did it twice it was, I was going to go out for a run after I did a, a session and then it looked like a massive storm was coming. So I came back inside, I did a second one and I just feel so much better. My posture is better. I'm moving easier and it's just good for my mind too, right? You can't listen to music. You mm-hmm. have to just listen yeah. to your, your body kind of struggle at times. And so, yeah, I do a lot of strength yoga and, and mobility. It's been huge for me
0: yeah yoga is is very humbling i've taken uh, done a couple of yoga classes at my gym and i always feel like you know so self conscious because i'm not super flexible either and right. but everyone around me is you know like halfway be- like what i'm doing and maybe a little bit better but it's yeah. kind of it's a very humbling sport or exercise when mm-hmm. you're trying you see the instructor doing these really crazy flexible moves and you you think you're doing that and then you look at the mirror and you look at yourself and you're yeah, like oh, yeah. i've got a lot to go
1: <laughs> exactly i think it's it's an interesting practice because different than a lot of other things you're not vis- technically visually seeing you know with anything else we're doing we're we're looking at it it's outside of us our improvements or progress or achievements <laughs> are very much outside of us and they're sometimes they're even a little bit fabricated like we've created value for certain things and that's something that is so different it's like you can feel it you literally feel the the progressions and the steps and the uh, improvements which is pretty cool maybe there's something in there about that but it it definitely feels good for me knowing my back and hips are are a lot better than they were
0: awesome before we go can you tell the listeners uh where they can find you
1: yes for sure so my handle on Twitter and Instagram is heroic minds underscore, and then for the apparel stuff, it is heroic apparel underscore, and then the website for heroic minds is www.heroicminds.live, and you can find all the content and podcast episodes and information on there.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today, Ben.
1: Thank you so much. This was awesome.
0: Friends, I so enjoyed our conversation with Ben. I enjoyed his story of pursuing his dreams of playing hockey in a professional capacity since he was such a very young boy. How he sustained a life-altering accident that shifted his professional trajectory a little by little to where he is today, to be creating heroic minds and studying behavioral health and performance and being a consultant. Although he does not like that term consultant, we found out. I like how Ben talked about making this small decision of swimming and biking during his home, his home hockey games after his accident and how this led him down a path to recover and to see what life would look like on the outside of hockey. This past year, I remember talking with my husband about a simi- similar idea about small shifts, a 10% shift, making a big difference. These small shifts in your routine and practices can lead to big life pivots. I hope that you are all encouraged today through Ben's story and his passions. My prayer is that you consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. Our episode was edited by Sophia Botte. Thanks, Sophia. And you can see the show notes for our music credits. All right, guys, enjoy your week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And I will see you back here next time with Alicia from the Next Level of Bliss podcast. Hey, friends, you have just listened to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey Hickman Hunter. I'm Audrey, and I'm your host, and I am so happy and honored that you would that you were here. Hey, friends, you have just listened to the No Wrong Turns podcast with Audrey Hickman Hunter. I'm Audrey, and I'm your host, and I am so happy that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are also bringing new shows every other Tuesday and always have on awesome guests to come and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Subscribe today to the Narrowing Turns podcast with Audrey Hickman Hunter on your podcast player or app so you guys will never miss an episode. See you next time.